0: The title of today's message is The Posture of a Rebuilder, The Posture of a Rebuilder. So I actually woke up this morning, this Rebuilder series must be really getting under my skin because I woke up this morning thinking about Zerubbabel, (laughs) (laughs) hopefully, um, anyway, yeah, I woke up thinking about Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is someone that probably hadn't thought much of up until we started this series, but feel like I almost know him now, an Old Testament character who was born in the Babylonian exile. So his name actually means seed of Babylon. And um, Zerubbabel, he was tasked, he was like a leader of the people, a government official who was tasked with um, the rebuilding of the temple. So he, he had a, a calling from God, a mandate from God to to lead the people in the rebuilding of this temple, and a few messages back, actually, we did uh, look at a wee bit more at Zerubbabel, and actually it was a message that brought me to tears um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I really felt for Zerubbabel that day. <laughs> um, Zerubbabel was the grandson of a guy called Jehoiakim. Um and he actually um if all if the exile hadn't happened Zerubbabel Was actually part of the royal line. Um, Jehoiakim was the last king before the exile. So actually in a way Zerubbabel had been robbed of position. (laughs) He had started this building of the temple but all this discouragement had come in and the building had stopped. He He had an impossible task ahead of him. It seemed like a mountain and whenever the foundations of the temple had got started The older folks, the people that had seen the former temple, started to cry and wail because this temple was nothing compared to the previous temple. So actually Zerubbabel is quite a lowly position. His posture at that point was quite low and I felt for him. You know what it's like to be in that low position, feeling like nothing? Maybe thinking, what are people thinking of me? So I felt for him that morning. My heart went out to him. But you know what? Lowliness or humility. Lowliness really is humility. And lowliness is the condition for encountering God. And God came to Zerubbabel and in his his lowliness, he must have felt so small, but God came to him and encouraged him and spoke to him. And in Zechariah chapter 4, we see um, the message that came to the prophet Zechariah, which was to be delivered to Zerubbabel, a message of encouragement. So, reading from chapter 4, just the start of it, this is God spoke to Zechariah the priest through a vision. And the vision was a bit bizarre. The vision of a gold lampstand and two olive trees. And it starts off the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up. So Zechariah was just drifted off to sleep, and the, and the angel woke him up to show him this vision. And the angel said to him, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps and there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. This was really weird. Zechariah worked in the temple, and if you can imagine, um, well, I'll turn it round. Maybe you'll see a wee bit of it. I had a picture of it. Um, You know those old um, lamps with candles on that Uh, I suppose called a menorah. This was kind of an ancient version of a menorah with all these uh, candles. And Zachariah's job, because Zachariah was a priest, so this would have been really, really familiar to him. His job was actually to keep the candlesticks, to keep them going, to keep the oil refilled. So in a way, this was familiar to him, but this was different because in the vision, the lamp was self-filling. So this everyday kind of task that he would have had to do regularly, which was to keep filling up the lamps, was done. So this was a um, self-filling lampstand. I suppose a bit like if you can think of a task that maybe is repetitive that you have to keep doing, like cutting the grass or watering the flowers. This is like, like imagine a a self-cutting grass or self-washing dishes. Those tasks that maybe tasks that you have to keep doing um, this actually takes care of itself it sounds brilliant so there's something significant about this it's a weird vision but it's a self-filling the oil keeps filling the oil keeps filling and the priest doesn't have to keep filling it up it's a self-filling lampstand sounds pretty special so what was the significance of it from verse 4 I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Very familiar verse, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So this was really, really significant because this oil was the oil signifying the spirit, the wonderful, powerful Holy Spirit. The spirit that we need if we're to get things done. The spirit that Zerubbabel was going to need in order to keep going with the work. So this was a real word of encouragement. And God was coming to him saying, you know what? You're going to do this, but it's not by your own might. And it's not by your own power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You're going to do this. Verse 8, it says, The word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. Don't forget, he'd laid the foundation, but 16 years had passed and it had been lying dormant. No work had been done. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands are going to complete it. And then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. There'd be no doubt. People will know that it's God that's done this. It's a work of the Spirit. And verse 10, it says, Who who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range through the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. In other words, the Lord God will be watching over you, Zerubbabel, cheering you on to get this work done. And he's going to give you everything you need. You see the goodness of God there, how he came and encouraged Zerubbabel. And I guess the question I wanted to pose to us this morning is, what is our posture like? Zerubbabel was brought low and he had an encounter with God. The posture of a rebuilder. And this is why this is relevant for us, because I want us to consider what is our posture this morning. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18. Where God talks, where Jesus talks about posture. The posture of a rebuilder. The posture that he wants us to have. And not so much physical posture, but the internal posture of the heart. The position of the heart. In relation to God, but in relation to people as well. Matthew 18, verse 1, it says, The disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Who then, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You see, the disciples had position in ma- on their minds. And here's what Jesus did. He called a wee child to him. He called a little child to him, placed the child among them, and he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The King James Version says, whoever humbles themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So this is about position. The NIV says, whoever takes the lowly position. So humility is about position this morning. And Jesus wants us to take this lowly position because in the context of the ancient world children did not have status and what he was saying was your be unadorned status does not matter take the lowly position of this little child if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. So the posture that we are to have as rebuilders is this posture of lowliness. And you know, it's not really uh, maybe a surprise (laughs) that we've come back to this subject of lowliness or humility. I did speak on this a year ago. And the more I pray to God for a closer walk with him, for a deeper walk with him, I pray for restoration. I pray for for God's kingdom to come and to see him at work. Guess what? The more I keep hearing God say, humility, 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 lowliness. And here it is again and again. I'm realizing more and more the importance of this, this posture, this position the centrality of it, the beauty of it, and increasingly the power of it, the power of humility. David Legg says it's the condition for encountering God. And we see that with Zerubbabel. He was brought to a lowly position or posture, and that was the condition for encountering God. I long to encounter God. I want to encounter God in my work. I want I want my clients to encounter God. I want us as a church to encounter God. I want to encounter God myself. I want my kids to encounter God. And that's why God's saying humility, lowliness, lowliness, lowliness. This is nothing of ourselves. It's, it's not by might or by power. It's by his spirit. It's all of him. I've been reading a book And actually it's free on Kindle and it is so good. It's a classic by Andrew Murray. It's just called Humility. Um, I actually really, really recommend it. Um, I've got half the book highlighted. Um, But he says, um, he describes humility as being the disappearance of self in the vision and understanding that God is all. It's all about him. It's a work of his spirit. Anything that we do that's worthwhile, it's of his spirit. The disappearance of self in the vision and understanding, he is all. C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of ourselves. We might think of humility as, you know, that internal voice that might say, I'm so stupid. I hate myself. I am nothing. Well, actually, humility isn't that. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves it's thinking of ourselves less. It's thinking of ourselves less and thinking of God more. We lose ourselves in the vision and understanding that God is awesome. And another famous verse 2 Chronicles 7:14 um the the first temple had been dedicated and God spoke after the dedication of the temple and he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, position themselves in a lowly manner. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. So for the nation of Israel, this position of humility or lowliness was a prerequisite to God moving and restoring. And if we really want to see God move, to see renewal, to see this community changed, to see people's lives restored and touched, then we are gonna have to take humility seriously because true growth is growth downwards. You know, in the natural order of things, um, a child goes from being totally dependent to less dependent to independent, and that's something that we celebrate. That's a great thing. Like this week, we've got a real taster of this. Rach is 17, (laughs) and a few years ago, she went to Faith Mission Camp, and after a day or so, had to come home early because. She missed her mommy and daddy, she missed her home. Well, this week she's been in Malahide and every so often, have you heard from Rach? No, you heard from Rach, have you heard from Rach? No, no, no. Got home on Friday night at about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock she was away to New Horizon, 12 o'clock the following day, quick wash of her clothes and away she went. And you know, it feels funny for us as parents because we're like, what has happened? She doesn't need us anymore. But do you know what? It's something to be celebrated because we want her to go from, you know, being dependent on us to, to becoming independent. But in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. You know, we start off being totally independent and then we separate it from God and we become dependent on him. And the more we walk with him, the more we realise, you know what? I need him. I need him every hour, more and more and more. We need him. And in the church, we need him in my work. I need him in my family. I need him. I need him more and more. So true growth, actually, in kingdom principles, in God's kingdom, is growth down, where we go from being independent to being totally dependent on him. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Anything worthwhile it 's of him it's his spirit've been reading a bit of Henry Nouwen. Um, interesting um, some of his some of his writing is absolutely amazing, really deep he 's a, a contemplative, but he was very highly educated um, was a lecturer and a professional professor in Yale and Harvard, um, worked in Notre Dame, but in the last 10 years of his life, he moved to uh, a community of, of, um, to work with a community of mentally disabled people in a place called L'Arche, L-A-R-C-H-E. And he describes this experience in which he was forced to let go of his relevant self, the self that can do things, show things, prove things. And it forced him to reclaim an unadorned self where titles, where qualifications mean nothing. Completely vulnerable, but a position of power where he was able to open, be open to receive and give love regardless of his accomplishments. He grew down when he saw God's power. And I want to say this morning that your greatest title is not whatever your title is, Mr., Mrs., Doctor, Professor. Your greatest title is Beloved. He calls you Beloved. And your greatest position is a child of God. What a privilege! What a privilege. To lay aside all the stuff, (laughs) all our achievements. The things that you want people to know when you meet them. Things you take pride in, to just lay that aside. And to realise that none of that matters. If you're to do anything worthwhile, it's not by might or by power. It's by His Spirit. And, you know, it would be wrong to um, talk today about humility without mentioning pride. <laughs> and we all have issues with pride, every single one of us. And if you think that you don't, then you do. <laughs> Work that out. Um, William Law, uh, again, he has books on humility um, and books on prayer. And he, a, qu- a quote from him is that there's no greater sign of confirmed pride than when you think you're humble enough. Oh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> there's no greater sign of it. So we all need to repent of pride. Every one of us. And pride is sort of a sneaky thing. It's an insidious thing. You don't really know it's there, but it's there. We inherited it from Adam. You know, that old thing of I do, it, I'll do it my way. <laughs> independent of God. What does pride look like? Well, in the Bible um, it talked about the Pharisee, um, where the Pharisee said, Oh, thank you, God, that I'm not like that tax collector. So it's kind of an inner position again. It's an inner posture of You know, I'm just a little bit better. I'm glad I'm not like that person. My position on this issue is right. They're wrong. Looking down on people that might have a different position than you on something. Pride is toxic. Your position might be right. But pride is toxic. You know, whenever, um, any time I ever speak anywhere, I, I go home and I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> Probably more today than ever. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's actually pride because, do you know what? I need to just get over myself. This is not about me. It's about him. Mm-hmm. It's about him. And remember that uh, definition of humility. Humility is disappearance of self. Who cares? (laughs) It's about him. So every single one of us needs to just be aware of pride and to repent of it. And to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to just shine his light into your heart because often it's an unconscious, hidden thing. So just shine your light into our hearts, Lord, and just root out this pride that's within us. Why do we need to root it out? Because it will stop (coughs) our downward growth. And the downward growth is where we see God's power. It's where we see God at work. I have a picture on the keynote, which you're not going to get to see, sadly, but it's a picture of uh, a high range bush that I have at home, and it's... um, it's bes- right beside our neighbour's um, fir trees. And my hi- I love hydrangeas, but my hydrangeas never flower. Never. And we've tried, tiny. tiny, tiny. We've tried so hard, like David waters it and waters it and waters it. It gets tomato food, it gets a lot of care and it never will flower. Maybe just a tiny, tiny bud. You think it's gonna flower this year, but it never does. And the reason being, it's because of these fir trees. The fir trees are sucking the life out of my hide range. And pride is like that. Pride will stop us flourishing. It will stop our downward growth. It'll stop us being who God wants us to be. It is toxic. It says in James and in First Peter, it says God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Another version, it says, he actually opposes the proud, but gives grace to the the humble. May pride be far from us, even as a church. You know, never let us think we're better than others. Anything that's worthwhile that happens in this church is not by power, not by might, but it's by his spirit. And that, if we get to see that, we're privileged. <clears throat> we must disappear. Disappearance of self in the appearance and the acknowledge that God, acknowledgement that God is all. It's all about him. Unless we become like little children, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. But whoever positions themselves in a lowly manner, takes this lowly position, grows down is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Has anyone ever said to you, grow up? (laughs) I'm sure people have said that to me before, but um, I think what the word for us today is, just grow down. As a church and as individuals, come on, let's grow down. The way up is down. I saw this sign in Newcastle, And sadly, I can't show it to you. I don't even know if you can catch a glimpse of that at all. But it's a sign, um, I think it's sort of warning um, motorists about pedestrians. So there is a parent and a child holding hands. And I just thought that was a lovely picture of what humility really is. It's where Where we just take the Lord by the hand and he leads us. A child's eye view. Where we can just hold on. I read Selwyn Hughes' devotional every day. um, And he actually was a Christian counsellor. And he taught his counselling students. I just read this a few weeks ago in my devotionals. But he he taught his counselling students to look for distance. See if you could spot distance between your your clients and God and and work to resolve that. Because if you know that, that the Lord is with you, if you know that he is holding you by the hand, if you know that he will never leave you, that he's your shade at your right hand, then that is so powerful. You can walk through valleys, Because he will hold you and he will give you everything you need. There is a joy in resting in the one who is in charge. There's joy in just being held by the hand. There's a joy in that and a security in that. In Haggai 2 verse 4, it was another word that came to Zerubbabel. And it said, be strong and do the work. Because I am with you. So if we hold the Lord by the hand. As he has us by the hand. And we're closely and intimately connected to him. Getting everything that we need from him. From his Holy Spirit. Then we can keep going. We can be strong and do the work. We don't have to work it up. Because our strength comes from him. And again in that Haggai chapter 2, verse 4, it says, My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You know he is there. He's got you by the hand. You don't have to fear. The next little point that I had was to look up frequently. Remember that he's there. Remember that he's with us. Remember that he's got us by the hand. It says in Isaiah 41, I am he who takes hold of your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. I am with you. I'm going to help you. I love that imagery of the Lord's hand holding us. It's been such a comfort to me through hard times to be able to just visualize the hand of the Lord and to remember that Psalm 121, he's my shade at my right hand. He's right there. There is a prayer called the prayer of examine. And it's an ancient prayer, but I think it's really lovely. And I've been practicing it um, this past number of months. And it's really just, um, it's to help us to keep looking up and to remember that he's there. And there's five points to it. The first one is be still. So be still, just take a deep breath and acknowledge that he's with you. He's your shade at your right hand. He's holding you by the hand. Lord, you're here. You're with me. So be still and recognize God's with you. That's number one. Number two, give thanks. Thanks that I'm your child. Thanks that you're with me. Thanks for the last number of hours and the things that you might have to thank him for, the things that have happened. Then you reflect where you're at right now in this moment. Right now, I'm feeling a wee bit anxious, Lord. Lord. Right now I'm feeling whatever it is you're feeling and you reflect and then you pray. Cast your care upon him. Tell him how you're feeling. Ask him for more of his resources, more of his spirit. Ask him for help. And number five, then you expect, you hope and you expect for the next few hours. And just getting into the discipline of praying that prayer of examine several times a day. And it really helps you to remember that he's with you. I guess this whole thing of becoming like a little child, this whole thing of growing down, of recognizing that he, (laughs) he is all in all. And this disappearance of self and the acknowledgement of that. We realise that you know, he's not, we have to embrace some mystery here. We can't work God out. He's not a 2 plus 2 equals 4 God. He is almighty God. So part of this growth downwards is embracing the mystery of that. We aren't meant to fully understand everything. But we do know that he's good. And we do know that he loves us. And we do know that he's great. He is a great God and he is all-powerful. And I'm just going to go to Psalm 8. One of my favourites. Sarah and I were walking in Gosford a couple of days ago. And we were, sing- we were singing and we sang that song that she did at the start. We sang it walking through Gosford. And if I'd been with Rach, Rach would have been saying, Mum, be quiet. Mm -hmm. Sarah didn't care. So it was great. And there's something about singing Hallelujah Our God Reigns in the middle of his creation. And creation is something that can help us to grow downward because it gives us an awesome view of our God. Psalm 8, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children. That's interesting, isn't it? We're told to become childlike through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, the awesomeness of God. What is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So creation can help us in this downward growth. Try it this week. Just listen to the birds. <laughs> Look at the trees, the animals, and realize that he, he is awesome. And it will help you to just grow down. <laughs> In Luke chapter 5, you don't need to go to it, but in Luke chapter 5, Jesus asked Simon Peter to cast out his nets. But the problem was, Simon Peter had been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. But these four words, I think, are really important and part of humility is because you say so I will because you say so I will and that's a posture of humility listening to the voice of God being ready to do what he says because you say so I will why pray why go to church Why prioritize the things that God wants us to prioritize? I made a change this week um, with my working hours, and you know, to other people it might seem silly, but I knew that God was 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 telling me to do it, and it was a case of because you say so, I will, and that. That's a posture of of humility. We don't have to have it all worked out, but we're called to listen to his voice and to obey. And what happened when Simon Peter did that? He did what the Lord said. Because you say so, I will. He let down his nets again. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. They came and they filled both boats, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. This true humility leads to worship. He fell on his knees before God and it was a case of the disappearance of the self in the vision and appearance that God is all. True humility affects how we treat others. So it's, it's about our posture, our position in relation to God. Disappearing so that he is all. Seeing him as the almighty God that he is and the wonderful God that he is. But it's also about position that we hold towards others. And it affects how we treat others. The book that I mentioned at the start, Andrew Murray's book on humility... There's a whole chapter entitled Daily Life, because that's where we see humility in our ordinary, everyday life. In a shop, how you talk to the shopkeeper. In school, how you talk to people, how you see people. In the workplace, at the dental surgery. In your ordinary everyday life, you see, you can't hold a posture, a position of humility before God and be horrible and harsh with people, to be pushy and controlling with people. That's not true humility. And it's in your ordinary everyday life and that posture of lowliness, that's where it will show itself. How do you position yourself towards other people? There's an example of this in 1 Kings 12 and we're coming just to an end because you and I are going to have choices between now and next week. You're going to have many, many choices and actually opportunities to grow down. Just watch out for them. You will have opportunities this week to grow downward, to choose the humble road in how you treat others, in how you position yourself before God. My slide here has two roads because there is a choice and there will be choices this week. Every day there's choices. (coughs) I must listen to the voice of the Lord and make choices that honor him. In 1 Kings 12, Solomon's son Rehoboam has become king and the people of Israel go to him and they say, you know, your father treated us harshly and he had a heavy yoke on us. Verse four, it says, your father put a heavy yoke on us. Would you treat us better? Would you lighten our harsh labor and the heavy yoke that he put on us and we'll serve you? So they came to him and he had a choice. So he said to them, go away for three days and then come back to me. And that's fair enough. It is good not to rush into decisions like that. But he went away and he consulted with two groups of people. He consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. He said to them, how would you advise me to answer these people? What am I going to say to them? They want me to lift this yoke from off them. They want me to change things for them. The elders replied, if today you will be a servant to these people, and serve them. Give them a favorable answer. They'll always be your servants. Take the humble road. Go the lowly way. Don't exalt yourself up. Be a servant to the people. Get down instead of raising yourself up. But Reboam, he made the wrong decision, and actually was his downfall. Reboam rejected this advice that the elders had given him. He consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what's your advice? What, what do you think I should do here? How should we answer these people? Well, who are asking me to lighten the, the yoke that your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him said, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. Well, I'm going to make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Raise yourself up. Reboam. Use your power. Use your control. Don't lower yourself down. Raise yourself up. Make sure they know the powerful leader that you are. Remember your position, your title. Who do they think they are? So sadly, he made the wrong choice, took the wrong path, listened to the wrong voices. And it was his downfall. Because he was then rejected by the people. So look out this week For choices and opportunities. Which path will you take? Because the path of lowliness, that path of serving and going down and forgetting your titles and realizing you're just a child of God. You're at the privileged position of a child of God. If you take that path of humility, it's the path of life and it's the path of the Spirit. It's the path of encounter with God. because we had a foot washing Lord that's what he's like he's humble of heart Jesus said take my yoke and learn of me I'm, I'm gentle and humble of heart this is a God who emptied himself because he was God though he was God he emptied himself and died served us by giving his life and that is the God that we have and that is the Jesus that we follow. Just going back to Zechariah 4 as we, as we end, back to where we started. Zerubbabel's message again. The never-ending flow of oil. These self-filling lampstands. So the thing about these lampstands is that they were right beside the source of the oil, connected by pipes to these olive trees. don't know what on earth it would have looked like, but they were so intimately connected to the source of oil, there was a never-ending supply of oil. And that meant that Zerubbabel could keep going. If he, as long as he kept connected to the source, he could keep going. And we need to keep connected to the source of power because that holy oil is available to us. Everything that we need is available to us, provided by the Holy Spirit. And we must stay intimately connected to him, our source. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, which is collective strength or numbers. Doesn't matter how many of us there are. Not by might, nor by power. Doesn't matter how gifted we are. How amazing we are. It's not about us. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This precious, unending flow of oil is available for us and we need to stay intimately connected to the source. Just as we close, I want you to consider your position. your position before God, your posture. (laughs) And we just ask the Holy Spirit just to shine a light in to every part of us, to just reveal if there is pride that we need to repent of. Lord, I pray for each one here. Lord, we pray for your holy oil, your anointing oil, Lord, that helps us to build, that we need to build. If we're to see anything worthwhile of your kingdom, Lord, we've got to keep connected to the source of power, the source, your wonderful Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you gave your Holy Spirit without measure, Lord. Lord, we repent, Lord, of going our own way, Lord, taking the high road, Lord. Those times when we have even thought to ourselves, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Or when we've looked down on people, Lord, or we have just rested in our strengths, Lord, thought it was about us Lord we just repent of that Lord and turn from that and we look to you God because it's all about you Lord and we need you Lord we need you God more than ever before we need you Lord come and be glorified as we worship Thank you, Lord.